there are things that will you know give you a hit single you know there are ways of doing it but i'm not sure ai will 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 come up with a lonnie holly lonnie is a, is not a product of algorithm algorithms is a product of a of, of his own experience and then him turning it's the transformation of horror to beauty hi this is lowell tolhurst co-founder of the cure this is budgie co-founder of the creatures drummer with the slits and susie and the banshees welcome to curious creatures life after punk you may think you know the territory but we, we drew the map that's what you're saying drew you into the bands you liked where it was their ability to um make it safe enough together to allow the vocalist or the guitarist or, the, or together as a band a completely different personality to come out they were able to do that say with your band you know i think you used to say that the guitar player don't sound like a guitar you know which is for a rock and roll band to lose the guitar is a pretty radical move but that's it's a, it's a great challenge. I remember when drum machines and beatbox drum machines, you know, we started to hear them and, you know, the Kraftwerk album. And, and I just, just, I was just amazed that knowing it wasn't drumming as I'd been trying to do myself. But the, the beats that came from Trans Europe Express and, uh, you know, they, they, the, 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 those early albums, Radioactivity, whatever it might be, or uh, they stuck with me influenced my playing there was a little kind of oh maybe i'm becoming i'll be redundant you know digital recording will take over and nobody will need a drummer but you just give me two great examples is the personality will no longer be there the discussion w won't be there because drummers very rarely talk about the beat <laughs> right. talk about everything else <clears throat> Like what time we're going down the pub, or where yeah, is usually. You know, my food? Yeah. Um, but it's like breaking the ice. It's the conversation gel, you know. It's it's that as well. I mean, all we have to do though, most of the time, is just you know, slap a bass drum in time with some tempo, so people can get going, but and then we add beats to it. Some, something that was really interesting, I think, that maybe some people won't realize on this album at least two of the singers that we had were drummers so they they came you know like james murphy bobby gillespie you know they started off as drummers so therefore there's an understanding that happens naturally and you know you and i budgie yes we talked about machines before but i've realized that for both the banshees and the cure when that stuff started to arise and that rather than run away from it and stick that sticker you know on your you know suitcase that said uh, drum machines have no souls or whatever you know that people would do it's like we wanted to utilize that to me that was that was the bridge over to doing synths and keyboards because i like the idea that you could make a different sound you know because like the black beauty snare i had was great but it only really made one or two really distinctive sounds you couldn't make a whole bunch of things and i like the fact you could turn a knob and change something radically you know so what was the other sticker wasn't it home taping is killing music killing music yeah that's right 
Yeah. Of course it wasn't, was it? His home taping was making it possible. <clears throat> well, yeah. I mean, that's the danger that, you know, the musician strike of 1942, musicians went on strike in the United States for two years, which resulted in the jazz, bebop getting big and uh, doo-wop and stuff like that. But um, those things that the record industry pushes against home taping is killing music, or even before then, playing songs on the radio would stop people from buying them. It just shows you a huge lack of understanding um, at the power of music and more means more. You know, it's similar to when I, when I had my first kid, I was overwhelmed with love and we were having a second one. I thought, well, that's the most amount of love I can produce. You know, I've reached, I've reached the, the, the ceiling of love. And then you have another kid and you develop more of it. And you think, oh, wow. And it's the same with music. So it was like streaming, that was supposed to kill music. It didn't. AI won't kill music. You know, there's fear around it. There's fear around all these new systems. But it will just produce more music. I mean, you know, we can say pop music now might be terrible. But when I was a kid, Joe Dolce, I think, kept Laurie Anderson of Superman off the number one spot, and that was a pretty bad song. So there's always been that fight between great music and, and um, you know, good food and a donor. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, they have different purposes. I think AI and home taping is just another, you know, people want music. And I think increasingly people want characters. You know, um, the more AI produces sound-alikes, you know, whether it's, you know, a lot of K-pop things, the more I want to hear somebody like Joanna Sternberg, you know, somebody with a unique point of view, a unique voice. And I, and I notice that with kids, um, they're not rushing towards generic music. If anything, it is, it's, it's now people want point of, points of view. And I'm not sure AI will provide that. I think it will give us a lot of great things, but it won't give us a point of view that's unique. And I think that's what people are generally drawn to. Despite all efforts at moving our interests to the generic stuff, when something happens that it has a unique point of view, whether it's like a Christopher Nolan blockbuster, that's a, you know, that's a not a serial, serialized movie. Um, people like anomalies and they like they like interesting things. So I, I don't think uh, new technology will have any detrimental effect on any of us. Yeah, it's another good reason to have children. I talked to my my son and his friends, and they like all kinds of stuff and they show me stuff that I probably wouldn't have found otherwise. And they don't want it to be generic. You know, why would they want to have something, you know, beige and the same thing, you know, and it's like they, they want to go out and explore just the same as we did. So um, I'm heartened by that because, you know, no matter how, I mean, I could always remember <laughs> Chris Parry, the Cures manager saying, I wish I had a machine I could program up and just put out hits so I didn't have to deal with you bunch of, and you know, insert whatever he called us for that particular, he's was, he from was New Zealand, so he had some florid expressions, and, and I realised, well, that's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Well, there are, there are things that will, you know, give you a hit single, you know, there are ways of doing it, but I'm not sure AI will, will 
will come up with a Lonnie Holly. Sure. Lonnie is, a, is not a product of algorithm. Algorithms is a product of, a, of, of his own experience and then him turning, it's the transformation of horror to beauty. And, um, you know, that's most of the people we've worked with have done something similar, not to the extent that Lonnie has, but everyone has their own trauma and survival story and all these kind of things and has turned it into something that's kind of extraordinary. And none of this is generatable right. with machines. But I mean, we have utilized it and I love using the computer and I love you know all that stuff. I use my iPad to make music. I also use cassettes and all the other stuff. But they're just tools. AI is what uh, the Hollywood writers and actors and yeah. that's bringing Hollywood to a standstill, right? You guys yeah, are there. Right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. You just reminded me, Joe, and I'm thinking about it, that all the people that we have on this album, and Lonnie Holly is one of them, um, they all have that connection that they, they've had some something mm. – traumatic or, or different in their life that has made them who they are and how they are. And I'm grateful to them for that because they, they brought that into our record and recognized that that's what we had to show them and give them. And and so it's just a, a great combination. And it's turned out immeasurably better than I could have ever. I mean, the best thing is always you can't actually imagine what they're going to be, you know. You just have to do them. I don't think you make a noise like Mark Mark Bowen's guitar from Idols without having some experience of something that's, that's um, <laughs> unusual. No. Um, we all we all seem to be drawn to these people, and they them drawn to us. You know, whether it's Isaac from Modest Mouse, they're all. I mean, what a voice. Um, so they all have very unique points points of view, and um, it's just really nice to have to have them all on this record, and and to have it so uh, cohesive, which is great. Because you know the, the danger of having a lot of guests is that it that it's it, now that's what I call music volume, whatever volume we're on. But it, it it it's I think everyone was sensitive enough to to you guys to um, not come across as lead singers you know um the goal was to was to refocus the light onto new boat and uh, i think we did yeah. how are we going to get all those people in one place yes <laughs> one of the thing one of the things that me and budgie found from doing the podcast was that people you know other musicians that will talk to us more you know, and be more open because we're we're not journalists and i think a lot of people on the the the, the records would engage musically with the conversation that was going on there because they they saw us you know in a different way than somebody saying okay here's a bunch of money go and make a record with all these people you know it it was like a completely different process so therefore uh much more much more open and i think it turned out something spectacular really in the end you know you're right people would probably think uh, Banshee's Cure, we know what that record's going to sound like. And they'd be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, no AI going on there. No, no AI going on there, that's for sure. Cue right. the music. Yeah. 
I'm mixing a song at the moment. I'm doing two things. I'm trying to finish off a song for you too for the um, for the sphere, and then I'm I'm at the last quarter of a record with Les Amazon de Afrique, um, and it's an extraordinary record. It's uh, they're, they're they're a group from West Africa. Actually, I think one of the singers is four singers or five singers in the band at the moment. I think it's five. Um, one of them is from Nigeria, but the rest of West African, and this is the third record. So they're, they're, they are really amazing in that it's, it's, um, I made a record with Rakia Kone a couple of years ago, and Rakia was recording in Mali and Senegal, was sending me stuff, and I was working here in Topanga. And we're doing the same way with um, Les Amazon. I met them in Paris last year and uh, it was very nice meeting. So they send me some recordings and I do stuff and I send it back. And um, they are so open to these crazy ideas that I'm sending them. And um, I'm trying to be as radical as I can with it and pushing pushing each other further and it's great. Um, um, so I'm doing that. And another, you know, it's a, it's a thing you were saying about the drummers being the singers in the record. I'm of the uh, James Brown uh, philosophy that everything, every, everybody's a drummer. Um, you know, I, I think he used to berate his horn players, shouting at them, what instrument do you play? And some guy would go to the trombone. He'd go, no, you play drums. What do you play? I play trumpet. No, you don't. You play drums. So um, I think I think vocals are also drums. You know, it's it's where you hit it, where the groove is. So um, Les Amazon record is, you know, it's, because I don't understand the language, I'm I'm understanding groove and I'm understanding, you know, feel and all that. So it's it's we it seem to be doing a good record. So that's that's my day. That's, I'm looking forward to. I'd love to work in a studio with a band if you like, or should I say more, perhaps more like with the vocalist present. There's that kind of thing. I would say that, that one of the first things I was not told, but or maybe realized, was you can you can pick up a lot. You've said it about, um, oh, what's his, what's his name? He's not, he's not with us anymore. Um, about, about the associates, Billy McKenzie. Yeah. I think, was, it, was it Billy who was auditioning keyboard players and said, you've got to watch what the feet are doing? That was yeah, for different if they, reasons. If they didn't have the right shoes on, it didn't matter how much they could play or how good they were. He wasn't gonna. They weren't gonna be in the associates. That's right. I went to see. Um, my daughter was in. She was in middle school. Got into Muse somehow. The band, and I went to see them. And you know, the show was a big theatrical show. But I caught sight of the singer's shoes, and I was just transfixed. I couldn't. I couldn't balance. What he was doing and what he was trying to do at the show with his footwear and um i just couldn't i couldn't i couldn't get into the show i was just like why are you wearing those shoes but billy could understand that yeah. <laughs> no sense. it's the importance not just of the shoes but what the feet are up to you see that's what yeah. as a drummer yeah, i realized the feet. the feet will tell me a lot about what's going going to come out of the mouth you know well yeah. even i can i can be shut off if if i've got no monitors or i can't even hear but if i watch i can i know where to be i just know where to be when i was playing with the african uh the M M malayan musicians last year 
I didn't know where one was ever. Just couldn't figure it out. So my whole thing was, can I see the guitar player's feet? And um, I had to have a line to his foot because that would tell me all the time. And it's really strange when I'm trying to go, okay, that's not that's not my one. And then trying to fall in step, go, okay, I'm just going to count looking at his feet. And when he hits down, I'm going to say one. And then is he even counting to four? He might not even counting to four, it could be threes. What's going on? But I was just staring at his feet for the whole time and it was giving me loads of information, mostly about how wrong I was, um, but it was vital. I realized that playing with uh, Leonard Eto, Japanese taiko drummer, and um, he, he did say to me, I, I, I don't know where your one is. <laughs> I, said, I was playing yours. <laughs> so, so obviously we both had a different idea of where the one would, should have been and it didn't make any difference to the conversation that took place you know between the two drums no the only way i figured out how to communicate with the malayans was um i grabbed a kind of an idea like a steve reichian reichian idea just have you have your one i'll have my one and we'll have something that will act as some translating bar, which was a um, melodic motif that became a loop. And we could just jump in at any point. And uh, we never agreed on one. Let's cut album. It was, you know, we rehearsed a lot, oh, yeah, at least two weeks for yeah. that album. And not once did anybody mention like time signature, you know. No. And that first track on, on the cut is 5 4. We never, yeah. we never went, oh, this is a strange beat. We just, that's just what we played. Yeah. And that's where the lines finished, you know, the, the vocal line finished there to come back to the one right. and the bass line fitted. It's funny. Um, you know, you were saying about Billy McKenzie in shoes and then the guy in Muse and shoes. Robert's, um, uh, no, well, yeah, he's had very distinctive shoes for many years, but one of his rules of thumb was was like, he wasn't going to, he, he would look at people and say, you know, like especially in other bands now, he said, what happened to the mirror going below their waist that they they dressed like from the waist upwards and everything from the waist down that was like, had no concern about how they, they looked or how it, you know, mingled in with everything else. It was like, you know, did they forget to look at the mirror below the waist, you know, because it was, and he was quite right a lot of the time, you know, so. Also with things of that period and mirrors, uh, goth people never really looked at the back of their head yeah. a lot of the time. And I remember thinking, you look great in the front, the back is all flat and... Right, yeah. Um, you haven't done the brack combing or the crimping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta look at yourself in three dimensions, otherwise, yeah, things get all out of uh, whack, for sure. I have, I have to confess, I don't look at myself at all. And um, I'm lucky I'm married because sometimes my wife would just shit all over your face. Right. But I would happily go out without knowing what is going on with me. Yes. That's, so. why, that's why we have wives to tell us that we've got a bit of something. Yeah, I had some, you know, my wisdom teeth out and this bit here and the 
my moustache is numb, you know, top lip of my lip, and I don't feel anything there very much, you know. So if I happen to eat something, you know, and a little bit comes out there, it could stay there all day, and I'm never going to remember that it's there, you know. Thank you for having me on. Oh, well, thank you for being here. Without you, none of this would have been happening. Oh, thank you. It's such a joy to be to be working with you and playing music together. I listened to the record today, and I was kind of, I was in the gym, drove to the gym, and then I ran. Um, I don't usually run that far, but I I, I set the um, I, I found the speed of we got to move with Isaac Brook, which was seven miles an hour. Yeah. And I ran for the whole time. I I, I, um, I ran for a mile listening to it, and it was so fun. Yeah. Anyway, so I listened to it. And I thought, damn, that's a good record. It's a good record. But you're absolutely right. It works in the gym because I took took it yesterday with me to the gym and normally you know if i'm sitting on the elliptical or whatever and that it's boring as hell you know i don't care they got the tv screens above yeah after a while you know too many episodes of judge judy you know is, is more than enough so i've got the headphones in now and i i'm you know ellipting or whatever they would call it to our record and that I did a good half hour. I normally manage about 10 minutes before I'm bored. It was great. So it works. I keep cycling way past the children's school gauge. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer, Dan Didier. Executive producer, Mark Cates. Associate producer, Sophie Wilde. Digital marketing, Margie Taylor. Art and logo design, Justin Thomas Kay. Music production, Jackknife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web, and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com. And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram or at doubleelvis on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2023.